2: The title of this show is Flip the Baby. Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast with me, Dr. Nicole Plenty. If you're in healthcare, you know that December is always a busy time of year. A lot of people are getting last minute procedures before their insurance deductibles start over for the new year. But even for pregnancy, it's busy. I guess no one really plans to get pregnant and then be pregnant during the busiest time of the year. But after Valentine's Day, I guess love love lives improve, and voila, you're doing December. <laughs> yep, I'm a December baby too, so I can joke about this, and I'm pretty sure my mom can relate. For a lot of us, it's busy just because more people are taking vacation, and we have to see more patients on days we are actually in clinic. So instead of having a full five day work week we have uh, a three-day work week or you know a four-day work week. Therefore, we're crunching the same number of people in because everybody wants to get in before the new year. Um, we're crunching those same number of people in during shorter, um, a shorter number of days. Therefore, you might feel a little rushed when you go to your appointment. Because of this, I've received a lot more delivery planning questions in the last week specifically about external cephalic version. Therefore, if you ask, we shall talk about it. So before we talk about external cephalic version, just know that even with all the chaos of the holiday season, you still deserve your questions to be answered by your provider. So go in with your list of questions and make sure that they're answered. It's our job as providers to make sure that you know everything that's going on so you won't have to go googling stuff. But I am glad that you guys are asking me the questions as opposed to taking it upon yourself to just randomly google or not ask another provider. Now, back to the topic at hand. External cephalic version is also abbreviated as ECV standing for external cephalic and it's a procedure done when a baby is not cephalic or what we say when we mean head down. Um, We do this to rotate or flip the baby to the head down position to get ready for birthing. A lot of people wonder why they just can't have their babies vaginally even if they're not head down. Well, the cervix or the opening of the uterus is mostly connective tissue and muscle. It's super strong, right? It has to be strong to stay stay in place and stay closed to hold a growing baby Um, it dilates with constant pressure and uterine contractions if a baby delivers feet first the feet can slip through without the cervix being fully dilated but the head can't. Okay, the head you got to be fully dilated for that to happen. And just to you know refresh your memory, remember the cervix. If you're not in healthcare and you you don't have anything to do with biology or science, the cervix is the opening of your uterus. Okay, this is what we check to see how dilated you are. So pretty much the cervix is at the top of the vagina, but it's a part of the actual uterus. So in order for the baby to pass through, your cervix has to dilate fully. for the the most part. So that means that everything can pass through except for the head if the baby is breached. And that means that a head can get stuck or entrapped. Also, even if you are fully dilated, because the head is the most difficult part of the baby to deliver, if it's breached, the cervix can start to clamp back down or try to close prior to the head being delivered. That means that the cervix is clamped down around the neck and not uh, to not allow the head to pass through. This leaves the head trapped inside of the uterus with the rest of the body in the vagina or outside of the body. This is an emergency. It can be very life-threatening for the baby. You can lose a lot of blood in the process, so it could be very life-threatening for uh, for you as a patient as well. And so let me tell you, I know that this is not being told to scare you, okay? But it's being told so that you know why exactly you can't just go get a second opinion if you get a second opinion that tells you that you can deliver vaginally that person is practicing outside of the scope of medicine okay no one will allow you to live, deliver a singleton baby meaning if you're having one baby will not allow you to deliver it vaginally okay and if they do that's wrong okay That's wrong. If something bad happens, you can sue them all day and write the check. Like they should not allow you to live vaginally um, unless you are already pushing. Okay. You are already fully dilating. The baby's hanging out. And so obviously we have to do some maneuvers to get the head out. But other than that, you should not be, you know, allowed to labor for hours at a time with your baby not being head down. Okay. Let me tell you, a head entrapment is a provider's worst nightmare. You don't want it. So if your baby is breached, you have two choices and that is to flip the baby or to have a C-section. Now, when I'm giving you these two options, I'm talking about a singleton, meaning you're having one baby. If you have twins, the second one is smaller than the first and over 32 weeks can, I repeat, can be delivered breach after the vaginal delivery of the first one. Um, And that's because the pelvis and the cervix have already, quote, proven, end quote, itself, okay? It's been proven by the first baby. So if we know that the first baby's gone through, then yes, the second baby can be delivered. Now, if the cervix starts to close or you start to bleed because the placenta or the afterbirth starts to separate, from the inside of the uterus before you deliver the second baby, well then you have to have a C-section. And so that's why some people deliver the first baby vaginally and then end up having to deliver the second baby via C-section, okay? And that's because the cervix is starting to close again and or you are starting to bleed again or the baby's heart tones or heart rate starts to drop. So that means that you have, you know, little Timmy vaginally and little Jane will be a C-section. That happens sometimes, okay? Now, sometimes if the second twin is not completely breached, meaning completely butt down, then we can sometimes do what's called an internal version, okay? Which is flipping the baby manually, gently, but manually, by inserting our hand inside of the uterus and literally turning the baby, okay? An external cephalic version is just that, it's external, meaning you're not dilated, you are taken to the operating room, an epidural is placed, And sometimes, instead of an epidural, they give you pain medicine if you don't want an epidural. But for the most part, it's recommended to get an epidural. We put, it's very scientific, y'all. Ooh, it's so scientific. You're laying on the operating table. We put some mineral oil on you or some type of like slick oil, okay? And you have a few doctors, maybe a nurse, that literally are pushing the baby around, okay? From the outside, okay? Your physician um, will check the, position of the baby first with an ultrasound before starting to make sure you have enough fluid okay so we want to make sure like is the baby fully ble- breech or is your baby oblique meaning you're sort of laying side you know sort of sideways diagonal is your baby transverse meaning the back is up and the head's to one side and the bust to one side we need to see all of that to see how are we going to push like what's the easiest way to flip this baby head down because if we can rotate you you know 15 degrees why have to rotate you, you know, all the way the, the, in the other direction, you know, 60 degrees, 65 degrees, like, no, we're going to go in the shortest, uh, the shortest possible way we can to get the baby, um, head down. Okay. Now it's easiest to rotate by pushing against the back of the baby's head and the back of the baby, the baby's back. So, so I'm like, somebody like shoving you in the back and push you go forward. It's going to be easy to shove you in the back. To push you forward than it is going to be for somebody to push you in the front. You know, pushing you in the front to push you. Uh, you know, we're not going. You're not going to. You're not going to just push me down. The baby is thinking the same way. You're not going to just push me down. So you got to push against the back for the most part. So that's what we try to do. And then every few minutes we stop. We allow the nurse in the room to check the heartbeat of the baby to make sure we haven't caused any distress. And then we continue to try to. Push. Now, usually this takes about 15 to 30 minutes, okay? And if it's successful, great. If it's not successful, we let you know after that, okay? For some, they are sent home after a successful external cephalic version because it's done around 37 weeks. So if there's not an indication for delivery, meaning you're 32 years old, you have your first baby, the baby's normal weight, we flip your baby, we don't have a reason to induce you, you get sent home. Okay, we monitor you for a few hours to make sure the baby's heart rate's okay to also make sure that because we've caused trauma now to the belly that you are not having a placental abruption or a separation of the inside of the placenta from the inside of the uterus. After we know that everything's good, we send you home and then we pray that the baby doesn't flip back. And yes, the baby can flip back, okay? For others, your OBGYN um, may want to do this a bit later in order to induce you immediately afterwards. Okay. So talk to your OB um, about the best option for you, like whether you're going to be, um, you know, uh, verted or have an in- external cephalic version at 39 weeks, because that's when insurance tells us that we can have an elective, meaning we don't have to have a reason to deliver you. And it's also the best timing for you to have a baby that does not go to the NICU after 39 weeks. So we wanna push everybody to 39 weeks, if at all possible, okay, if you don't have a reason to be delivered. So talk to your OB about what's the best best option if your baby is breached. Now, just because we try to birth the baby doesn't mean we're always successful, like I said before. Sometimes there's a reason that the baby won't stay head down or that we can't flip the baby in the first place. Your pelvis may not be adequate. So there's different types of what's called pelvimetry, okay? So if you have a narrow pelvis, you know, the baby may be more comfortable with the bottom and the legs down there. Why? Because not enough room for the head to get engaged. So the baby's like, I'm just going to flip to the other side to, to be more comfortable, okay? Because it's not comfortable down there, okay? The baby may have a cord wrapped around the body, Okay, or wrapped around the neck, okay? And as we try to rotate the baby, that can cause us to have signs of the heart rate dropping. And so if we have that, we're gonna stop. We're not gonna have a baby in distress. We're not going to uh, avulse or have the cord detached from the placenta. We're not gonna do that. So if we have signs of that, then we, we can't proceed. And you might have fibroids that we can't see, okay? Obviously, if you have a lot of fibroids, we'll tell you you're not a good candidate. But maybe there's some fibroids that we've missed and therefore... We can't, you know, flip the baby like we want to. Now, at the end of the day, we want you to have a vaginal delivery. But if you can't have a vaginal delivery, trust me, y'all, a C-section is not the end of the world. I know we make it seem like the end of the world, but I mean, we are very blessed in that we have the option of even having a C-section. Like back in the day, women would just labor for days on end. And that's how women of childbearing age had a higher mortality rate because, You know, they were just laboring for days. There were no such thing as having C-sections back in the day. So the fact that we have that option to safely get your baby here and safely get you through is a good thing. So it's not the end of the world. I had a C-section. Trust me, you'll bounce back from it. It doesn't mean you can't have other kids. And it doesn't mean that you can't have other kids in the future vaginally. So now that you know a little bit more about external cephalic version, Let's go to some cases.
3: Our first case is a 22-year-old who is 38 weeks pregnant with her first child. She was told at the last ultrasound a week ago that her baby was breech and measuring at the 95th percentile. She had normal fluid measuring 7 centimeters, and she really would like to have her baby vaginally. She is healthy and weighs 128 pounds and is 5'6" she was referred to you for a consultation for possible external cephalic version.
2: Okay. So it doesn't sound, I don't hear anything that says that there's an absolute contraindication. I mean, there's not an absolute reason why you shouldn't at least attempt an external cephalic version, but there are a couple of red flags. Okay. One, the baby's at the 95th percentile. Okay. That's a big old baby y'all. I mean, you're already 38 weeks at the 95th percentile. I mean, that's like over an eight pound baby, okay? That is a big baby. That's like an over an eight and a half pound baby. That's a big old baby to try to flip. Secondly, your fluid is normal, but it's low, okay? Low is between five and 25 centimeters. You're seven centimeters. You don't don't have a lot of room in there, mama. You don't have a lot of room, okay? And then to add to that, yes, you're healthy and your BMI is great. You're 128 pounds, but you probably got a little bitty pelvis because you probably got a little bitty frame. Okay, you're 5'6", you're, you're tall, okay? Compared to me, my 4'11", self, you're super tall. You're like model tall. And you're only 128 pounds pregnant, okay? Pregnant, even if you weren't pregnant, 128 pounds at 5'6", is like, on the slim trim side so your pelvis is probably narrow now obviously I haven't checked your pelvis I haven't seen your pelvis so I can't tell you that you're not a hippie you know 128 pounder but you know from my experience people that are slim tall and have a you know lower BMI uh, during pregnancy tend to have a smaller pelvis And so those three things are red flags for me. And they are not absolute contraindications, but they are on the, hey, maybe you shouldn't consider an external cephalic version list. So because there's like a plethora of reasons, I've written them all down, okay? And I'll try to get them out to you guys this week in terms of like, who's a good candidate and who's not. So we usually break up who who has a, a bad candidacy into three factor groups okay you have maternal factors you have fetal factors or the baby and then you have just other like there's other stuff going on that we may not think about okay so when we talk about maternal factors people that probably don't need to have aversion and may want to proceed with a c-section if you have a uterine anomaly like a heart-shaped uterus um, if you've heard the words uterine didelphus or bicornuate uterus if you've heard that uh, then you probably shouldn't have a version. Why? Because your cavity is not a normal shape, and there's a reason that the baby is laying in there uh, in a you know sort of awkward lie. Why would we try to force a baby head down when we know it it can't be head down, and when we know that the baby will probably flip right back to being breech or an an oblique oblique or unstable lie. If you have uh, high blood pressure or preeclampsia, we don't have time to flip you and then. Deliver you. We need to deliver you now, okay? Because if you have high blood pressure, you're already at high risk for a placental abruption. And then we go and press on your placenta and you know, press it on your uterus to stir something up. No, 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 we're not gonna do that, okay? You're not a candidate for external cephalic version. Uh, rupture of membranes. If your water has broken, I mean, there's not enough fluid to rotate the baby. So no one is gonna do an external cephalic version on you don't even ask you cannot get your baby flip if you have bleeding okay now if you have a little bit of spotting earlier in pregnancy and now you're stable and you don't have spotting now then yeah i mean we could try to do a version if we think that the placenta looks good and there's no uh history of a significant ab- abruption then yeah we can try to do an external cephalic version but that's one of the things that would need to be evaluated pretty thoroughly before we make that decision If you have a history of a placental abruption, this pregnancy or last pregnancy, okay? That tells us, hey, you're at higher risk than the average person for the placenta to separate from the inside of the uterus. We're not gonna go mucking around and putting a whole bunch of pressure on the uterus. Like, shame on us if you abrupt. And then we can't say, oh, we didn't know she was gonna abrupt. Yeah, you did. She abrupted the last time. So why are we going to uh, do something that's gonna make you abrupt this time? No, no, we're not gonna do it. If you're already laboring, you're contracting, you have a higher risk of the placenta separating. And you also have a higher risk of us breaking your water by putting so much pressure on your uterus. So you should not get an aversion, external cephalic version. If you have heart disease, so cardiac disease, we're not gonna put you under anesthesia twice, okay? There's no reason for us to do that. If you are morbidly obese, meaning we have a lot of adipose tissue, to palpate through to even feel the backside of the baby. That means that we're probably exerting a whole bunch of pressure, but may not be exerting a lot of pressure on the baby and the uterus, because honestly, we have to exert so much more pressure to get down to the uterus. So, I mean, we're not trying to make fun of people that are obese, and we're not trying to say there's anything wrong with you. I mean, I'm obese, but you can, I mean, it's harder to rotate and palpate the baby if you have obesity. So we have to weigh like how obese are you to see if you are an actual good candidate. Uh, if you have EKG abnormalities, meaning you don't have you know a heart problem, but you have an arrhythmia of some sort, yeah, we're not gonna do that. We're not gonna exert more pressure on your uterus. Uh, if you have an abnormal pelvis, like I said before, you should not, we should not be trying to rotate the baby because your pelvis won't accommodate the head and, and allow the head to be engaged. Um, Other things that are, you know, relatively, uh, you know, contraindicated, but not absolute. If you're older than age 45, there's supposedly a higher risk of poor outcomes in babies and a higher risk of abruption. And therefore we, we caution you against an external cephalic version, but it doesn't mean that you can. If you have a history of C-section, that's not an absolute, but you know, because there's a a risk of uterine rupture, some people are very cautious to uh, offer people an abruption, but. I mean, aversion, a but you can get a version if you wanted one. If you have diabetes, if you're uncontrolled and you have diabetes, I would say absolutely not. But if you have diabetes and you're well-controlled, we can consider it, but we would need to weigh the risk and the benefits. If you're dilated, it depends on how dilated you are. So if you are one or two centimeters dilated, then sure, we can try to avert you if you're not contracting. But if you have advanced cervical dilation already, so you're already four centimeters, like, no, you need a C-section. We don't want you laboring. We don't want to break your water while we're trying to do an external cephalic version. Uh, Grand multiparity, you know, I don't really know why that's listed as a contraindication because I, I, I mean, if you have a couple, you know, six or more kids, maybe that's the risk of rapid labor. But uh, for me, uh, that's not something that I would say you absolutely could not have an external cephalic version um, because you've had six more, six or more kids, I would say that uh, that would need to be individualized if you had other medical problems as well. Thyroid disease is a relative contraindication. And that's just because if you're not controlled, you likely have a higher heart rate and we don't wanna do anything to put your body in more distress. Factors dealing with the baby that tell us, okay, no, I wanna say like this and you shouldn't push on me would be if the baby is small, right? The baby's growth restricted. We wanna make sure that we're getting as much blood from the placenta delivered to the baby as possible. And so we don't wanna do anything like press on the head or press on the body that can compromise flow to the baby, even temporarily. So we don't wanna do that with small babies. If your baby has uh, an abnormal heart rate, we can't do that. We don't wanna put the baby in more distress. If your baby has a brain defect or a heart defect, or any type of anomaly, we don't want to do that either. If your baby has hyperextension of the head for some reason, there could be a mass in the neck. We don't want to do anything to, you know, cause trauma to the neck. If the lie is unstable, meaning you were breached and now you're uh, in a head down and now you're breech again, now you're transverse. That's an unstable lie. So there's a reason that the baby is trying to find a comfortable position to get in, and so we'll have to think, mm, you know, are you the best candidate? That wouldn't be something that I would tell you absolutely no for, but you have to know that you have a lower rate of success. Um, If you have Doppler abnormalities, like the blood flow to the placenta is already compromised, then you absolutely should not have an external cephalic version. If the baby is showing any signs of fetal distress, then no. If you have isoimmunization, meaning the baby has a different blood type than you, and you have antibodies to your baby's cells, that we're already monitoring to see if the baby has signs of anemia, then we wouldn't go pressing on the placenta because that means that we could have blood exchange there, which could compromise the baby and cause more antibodies to build up for future pregnancies. So we wouldn't do that. And then if you already have signs of bleeding, okay, so there's uh, been an, uh, an abruption or any blood or at any time the baby's had anemia, we should not, I repeat, should not do an external cephalic version. Other things that we shouldn't forget about, if the baby doesn't have enough fluid, we can't turn the baby. If the baby has a restrictive nuchal cord or a tight um, cord wrapped around any part of the baby, then we don't wanna rip or avulse the cord. If your OBGYN hasn't done these before, they should send you to somebody else. Like it's contraindicated for that obstetrician because you shouldn't be playing on people, okay? Then you shouldn't be doing it. You should always be doing this with somebody experienced. Now, anterior placenta is listed, but we can virtue through an anterior placenta. We just check a little bit more op- uh, often to make sure that we haven't caused any signs of abruption, which will be shown as fetal distress. Um, if you have too much fluid, that's the, those are the easiest people to flip, but it's also very easy for the baby to flip back. So we have to have a discussion about whether you're a good candidate or not for that. And then single umbilical artery is listed, but it's not an absolute contraindication. Um, But it does mean that your baby already has compromised blood flow and is likely to be smaller. And so we may want to have a serious uh, conversation before we decide to flip a baby that already has known compromise of blood flow. The case pearl for this case is having a large baby is not an absolute contraindication, but it does have a higher rate of failed version. Therefore, external cephalic version is discouraged in this situation. Okay, medical intern, what's our second case
3: for this? The second case is a 25-year-old who is 37 weeks pregnant with her second child. She has a history of previous pregnancy delivered vaginally at 39 weeks. She had preeclampsia with that pregnancy. She was told that she needs a C-section this pregnancy because her baby is breech. Her baby weighs six pounds, three ounces, which is described as the 37th percentile. And she has normal amniotic fluid and no medical problems. Her OBGYN told her that she had to have a C-section. She presents for referral for a second opinion for external cephalic version.
2: So in this case, this is somebody that's young, 25 they're 37 weeks. She has um, a normal sized baby. Um she has not had a C-section before. She's had a vaginal delivery Um, there and she has normal amniotic fluid, okay? There's really no reason that we shouldn't try, right? The only reason that her OB shouldn't try is if her OB lacks experience from doing external cephalic versions, okay? So if you are somebody that really does want a vaginal delivery, then I would talk to you about your risk. And the risk is that one, we could break your water in the process, Two, you could have a placental abruption where the placenta separates from the inside of the uterus. Um, And three, it could fail, right? And so in the event that any of those happen, you would need to proceed immediately with a C-section, okay? So you can take those risks versus just proceeding immediately with a C-section. So in that case, if if the worst case scenario is to have a C-section versus just going forward with a C-section, then I would say, yeah, it's fine for you to have an external cephalic version. So um, so I, I think that this is like the optimal candidate, right? Doing a virgin at 37 weeks, healthy, normal size baby, normal fluid. There's no reason that you can't have an external cephalic version. This is a quick case. The case pearl is if your provider doesn't do a procedure that you have questions about, ask for a second opinion as you did. All right. So what's our email case for this This one
3: says, Dr. Plenty, how do you feel about the ECV procedure? My cousin has to get one on Monday and she's due on Christmas. She's super nervous because she doesn't know if she needs it. She's hoping that the baby flips on its own. Do you advise her to proceed?
2: It really depends on your cousin. Right. And it depends on you know, how uh, motivated she is to have a vaginal delivery, okay? If it sounds like she has not had a previous surgery, it sounds like her OBGYN has made sure that she's an optimal candidate, otherwise they wouldn't schedule her. So I know it's very natural to be nervous. I feel like it's natural to be nervous towards the end of the pregnancy anyway, right? So you're due on Christmas. Yay, twin birthday buddy. So I'm excited for you to have a Capricorn because we are the best. But um, just because you are getting towards the end doesn't mean anything bad's gonna happen, okay? You've made it through the whole pregnancy. You can do this. And realistically, the worst case scenario at this point, if you make it to Monday, is that you will have a C-section, okay? And if you think about it like that, like the worst that's gonna happen is that it doesn't work and I'm gonna have a C-section, then it's going to be okay. Now the question is, do you really want a vaginal delivery? Now, if you are like, I'm afraid I'm going to have to have a, I'm going to have a an rupture and I'm going to have to have an emergency C-section and I don't want that, then proceed with the C-section. Okay, if you don't want an emergency C-section. But let me tell you, most external cephalic versions, you know, are done so in a very controlled manner. And they're done so by experienced providers. And like I say, I joke about them being really scientific, but they're really not that scientific. I mean, we're literally just pushing on your belly with a whole bunch of oil to try to get the baby to flip. And if it doesn't work, it just doesn't work. I mean, for me, uh, you don't have to have it. It's like, do you need it? Well, no, you don't need it. You need to deliver the baby, but you don't need a version. Um, The baby has to come out one way or another. It has to come out the vagina or it's gonna have to come out of an incision through the uterus. One way or another, that is what you need. Now, the question is, are you okay having a C-section? And if you're like, you know, for my birth plan, I really want a vaginal delivery, then it is absolutely worth a try to flip this baby. And if I were your OBGYN, I'd flip the baby if I were successful and I would induce you on Monday, you would not have a Christmas day, baby. You have a baby Monday or Tuesday because I would not want the baby to flip back for any reason. OK, now, if they flip the baby and there's signs of distress or you have you experience bleeding, then then, yeah, you need to proceed with the C-section. But for me, it's always worth a try. And it's very it's very normal to feel nervous Like everybody feels nervous. If you don't feel nervous going in to have even a vaginal delivery, like something's wrong. Like everybody's nervous, okay? Because we're like praying that everything goes okay. We're trying to figure out how the baby's gonna come out. We're hoping that nothing happens. I mean, I get it. Everybody's nervous. And then even if you're not nervous about the delivery, you're nervous about like, oh, I'm about to have a new baby, you know? And I don't know if this is your cousin's first baby or if she's had multiple babies, But it doesn't matter like each baby is different and we get nervous about each one, but it's a healthy kind of nervous So I would say i'm glad that you scheduled it It's worth a try If it doesn't work then proceed with a c-section but congratulations anyway on your brand new baby All right. I think that's all the cases we have for the day and my medical intern is shaking her head. Yes So thank you guys so much for listening to Pregnancy Pros Podcast. I hope you've learned more about external cephalic version. And I hope that you guys have a very, very blessed Christmas and holiday season this year. And uh, stay safe, you know, still wear a mask. COVID is still out there. So I want you guys to stay as safe as possible while also enjoying and having fun. If you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or a unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypros at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also, I know people are like, well, why are you just asking about unique pregnancy situations? Because we're asking about non-pregnancy stuff. You can pretty much email me about anything pertaining to women's health and I'll make sure to try to answer it, okay? also don't forget to follow me on instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and facebook at pregnancy pearls and the youtube channel is still there it's youtube.com forward slash pregnancy pearls with dr plenty where you can find more quick talks about pregnancy complications in closing remember to advocate for yourself you are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except for you thanks for listening
1: questions regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a mean old lion media production.
0: You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement.